a blast, but you get some of these movie tickets, they're, they're designed, they're invitations. So we thought we need to do a little something different, and uh, you're going to absolutely love it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're believing the vision is that we're going to see 100 first-time visitors in the month of September. That's what we're praying for, 100 first-time visitors. Um, this series is highly, highly evangelistic. Uh, it, I've really put this together in a way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you've got family and friends, invite them to the movies, right? What a convenient thing to do. We're at the movies. Invite them to come to church at the movies, and, uh, and they'll hear the gospel, I promise you. So you don't want to miss that. Also, this coming weekend, Jews for Jesus. So we're going to have a great time. Hopefully you've been given a pamphlet. If you have not received one, they'll be at the resource table. But that is this Saturday from 5 to 7 at Amity Elementary right here on Galbraith. And then again, Sunday morning, Stan Meyer from Jews for Jesus will be with us. And I was on the phone with him this week, and, uh, and uh, it's going to be a great time. Hey, we're going to have a wonderful time to fellowship. First thing we're going to do at 5 is eat. Everybody bring your best dish and potluck and just, you know, just, just, just bring your best and come out and have a great time. When's the last time? You just sat down at a church dinner with everybody and enjoyed the evening, right? So we're going to do that. Yeah, Ollie wants to put in request. I don't know who to give that to, but so um, she's out of control this morning. She is totally out of control. I can't even think straight. Where was I? Oh, food. Yeah, how many likes to eat, right? Amen. <laughs> So Saturday night from 5 to 7, he's going to be with us. He's going to be sharing. He's got a couple of videos he's going to show. And uh, it's going to be a great time to just come out, fellowship, enjoy dinner, enjoy the company with everybody, and then learn a little something about how to witness to uh, Jews. And then on Sunday morning, he'll be with us telling us about Jesus in the Old Testament. And uh, he's going to really, I talked to him on the phone this week, and he said, I'm going to really focus in on the Jews in Cincinnati. He's, he's twice now he's told me, he said the Jewish population in Cincinnati is different than the Jewish population in New York and L.A. It's different. They're more traditional. There's a certain way you have to witness and reach out. And listen, our church sits between Montgomery and Amberley Village. We're like in the Mecca of the Jewish population of Cincinnati. So what a great opportunity to learn from someone who is Jewish, that's winning Jewish people to the Lord, to know how to win them to Christ. Amen? How many is excited about that? Uh, the Bible challenge this week is 2 Timothy. How many of you are enjoying the Bible challenge? Isn't it, isn't it great? Isn't it wonderful? Okay, we didn't get much on that one. So. Like, that was a flopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, amen. Water baptism in two weeks. Water baptism. So if you want to be baptized in water, we're going to do that in two weeks. You can sign up at thebridgesensey.com slash connect or let somebody know at the resource table and we'll do that. Amen. And then one more thing. And that is small groups is coming back in a couple of weeks, September 1st. Cannot wait. I can't wait. If you've not been a member of small groups yet, you need to join one. You are going to have a great time. And if you want to come to the very best one, you'll come to the Deer Park one. Deer Park. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're going to, uh, I want you to buckle up your seatbelt and get ready because, um, it's one thing for me to preach about what God can do. It's another to tell you stories of what He did. And I want to tell you that uh, as I get ready to do this last message in overcoming darkness, I I'm going to share a story that's going to blow your mind. It's about a revival that started in the early 1900s in a country that was way worse off 
spiritually than what we are. Not nearly, hardly anybody was a believer and so forth. And so I, I just want to paint the picture to you of what did happen and what could happen again. How many knows if God did it once, he'll do it again? Amen. Don't forget connecting point. One last thing, connecting point tonight. We had a great time at connecting point last week. This week you're going to get Holly. She's going to be able to get all that's in her out. She's raring and raring to go, so you don't want to miss connecting point tonight. All right. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and uh, you're going to love this. I promise you this is going to set you on fire this morning. Romans chapter 12, I've saved the best for last. I, I love this. Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 11, and if, you, if you've got it, when you get it in your Bibles, also don't forget version, version notes, you know, get on there, save them, you, you always have them. Uh, I've entitled this prayer, The Fuel for Revival. How many of you know that when you pray, God brings revival? That's the way it works. So Romans chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. This is one of my favorite subjects. I, 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 want to, I don't know about you. I want to be on fire for God. I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. I don't want to be just some average Joe Schmo. I want to be on fire. Jesus said he would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. My question is, why are there so many tongue-talking Pentecostals around America to have no fire? And we're going to talk about it today. And we're, Man, I'm telling you, you're going to see something here that's going to blow your mind. Romans 12, 10 through 11. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Say, somebody say a good amen. amen. Give preference to one another in honor. Love that. Not lagging behind in diligence. Everybody shout fervent in spirit. And I, I'm going to preach on that right there, uh, the whole message, serving the Lord. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for all the wonderful things coming, God, that we've got with small groups and at the movies and Jews for Jesus. And God, thanks, thank, thank tools that you're going to give us to help win people to Christ and invite them to church and, and to join together and to prefer one another and to build connections and fellowship and have a great time with one another and and serving the Lord. And God, I pray today you would anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and deed. God, I pray you light us on fire today. God, I pray you fan the flame that is within us. You set us on fire. You said you would take your winnowing fan and fan the flame within us. I ask you to do that, Father. I ask, oh Lord Jesus, you give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying and, e and eyes to see what the Spirit is trying to show us. We bless your name and thank you for this opportunity. Now pray now, God, your anointing be upon me to speak forth every word straight from the throne of God into our hearts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Hold your Bibles up and in whatever form you have, and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart. Anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five two or three people real good and be seated. Just tell somebody next to you he's about to set you on fire. I really do believe that what we need more of in the church today is fire. 
I, I see and I hear accounts and I meet people from other countries and they're on fire for Jesus. I, there's, there's a wave of young people in the college age range that are absolutely on fire. I want to be on fire. I don't know about you, but I wanna. I don't. I don't want to just uh, like a fire at a camp that's just kind of withered away. I, I want to be a blazing fire. I want to like Bon Jovi saying, "I want to go out with a blaze of glory." Amen. <laughs> Matthew three eleven. I know some of you saints don't know what I'm talking about, but some of y'all know very well what I'm talking about. <laughs> Jesus said that He would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Romans, our scripture, Romans 12, 10 through 11, the Bible says, be fervent in spirits. Fervent is zeo, and it means hot, boil, glow, fervid. Now, Paul wrote that to the Roman church, but ultimately, God wrote that. God said, I want you to be hot. I want you to be boiling for me, fervent, glowing. Wow. Webster defines it this way, pious ardor, animated zeal, heart of mind, warmth of devotion. Acts 18, 24-25, just a quick scripture here, says, Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus but acquainted only with the baptism of John. I find it interesting that he was on fire for God only knowing the Old Testament. He didn't even meet Jesus yet, and he was already on fire. There's, I'm telling you, we can be on fire. And that's point number one is we need fresh fire. How many would agree we need fresh fire? I'm speaking to the church in general. Revelation 3, 15 through 16. Jesus speaking in the last day, the last dispensation of the church age, which is our church age. He writes to the church of Laodicea, you know it well if you've been in church long. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The word hot here is zestos, which means boiled, calid, and fervent hot. God wants us. I can show you one scripture after the other and take all day just about before even getting into what I'm wanting to get to to tell you God wants us on fire. And I want to be on fire. And the more we're in the Word and the more we're walking with Him and praying and worshiping, the more on fire we catch. Amen. We need to have a fire for the Word of God. Jeremiah 29 says, The Word was a fire shut up in my bones. I talked about this last week, but Luke 24 and 32 says very clearly that while they are on the road to Emmaus, they met with Jesus, the two disciples, and they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. When you talk with God in prayer and he opens the word to you. Here, your heart will burn. It will catch fire. Fire in your spirit will cause you to pray. No fire equals little prayer or no prayer. Much fire equals much prayer usually. So we need to take a, hit, a look in history at, at, a, at a great revival. Probably one of the greatest revivals I've ever heard of in my life. Christians who know revival history desire to see it repeated again and normally want it where they are at. Charles Finney said it this way. The results of revival are always essentially what it was on the day of Pentecost. 
The revival on the day of Pentecost was preceded by 120 people praying for 10 days and preaching for one day. And 3,000 people were added to the kingdom of God. The pattern of today in the American church is very opposite. We try to pray for one day, if that, preach for 10 days with no anointing, no fire, and we don't see hardly anybody get saved. No wonder the church has lost its effectiveness in America. It has become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal because it is not backed by prayer. One of the most important things we can do as a congregation is to get in here early on Sunday mornings and pray and set the atmosphere for His presence. It's to pray all week long to seek Him. It's to pick a day of the week, even if it's a half day. A biblical half day fast is from, from sunrise until 3 in the afternoon. So many, many weeks I will fast till dinner time. God honors that. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to fast forever all the time. You can do short fasts, and that's okay with God. I'm telling you, we need to get back to prayer and fasting and watch God burn, set us on fire. Someone shout amen. In, in, in the country of Wales, everybody say the country of Wales. It was desperate and in need of revival in 1904. It's a poor, struggling mining country filled with sin. From drunks to foul language to prostitutes, it was on every corner. The church was completely invisible. What Christians did exist made no impact. They were discouraged. They were downhearted. There was no fire. There was nothing happening. But in 1901, people began to pray. By 1902, there were over 2,000 prayer groups praying for revival. At the time, Wales had a population of about 1.5 million people. The whole country had about 500,000 less people than the greater Cincinnati area does even right now. There were many great preachers and pastors who could have led this revival, but God did not choose these notables. The Holy Spirit chose a 25-year-old unknown nobody, Welchman, by the name of Evan Roberts. Everybody say Evan Roberts. Probably no single person has been so instrumental in such a great revival. Can one person really make a difference? Listen to this story and you tell me. Can your prayers make that much of a difference? Can the fire of God in you really make that big of a difference? Evan was a coal miner who worked 12 hours a day in the coal mines from the age of 12 years old. He was, while his friends spent their time cursing and spitting and chewing and drinking and these things at the break table, he decided he wanted to get along with God. So he excluded himself from the break table, removed himself from the scene, and would go read the Word of God. He was a faithful man. For 13 years, he prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 13 years. He was in church every time the doors were open. And finally, after 13 years, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave him the utterance. He was so loud when he prayed that the landlady evicted him. And his prayers mostly consisted of two words. Bend me. Oh, Lord, bend me. Man, I think that's a prayer we could all pray today. Amen. Bend me, bend me, bend me. He was willing to pay the price, or as some say, pray the price. He sold everything he had to pay for his expenses to preach the gospel. And he kept asking his pastor for an opportunity. Finally, one day, the pastor said, I'll tell you what. This Wednesday night after prayer meeting, if anybody wants to stay and hear you preach, they can. Seventeen people stayed and Evan said, I have a word from God. He'd been praying for years, bathing himself in the Holy Spirit. 
It was his first sermon. It was short but anointed. It had four points. We must confess every known sin to God and make every wrong we've done right. Every wrong we've done to people right. Sounds like good so far. We must remove every deceitful habit from our life. We must obey the Holy Spirit promptings and we must go public with our witness for Jesus Christ. All 17 people responded to the altar call and within weeks every church building in Wales was filled with hundreds of people waiting at the doors not able to get in. It started with a man who started praying and it just exploded. I haven't even gotten to where I really want to get just yet. Wales was literally shaken by the presence of Almighty God. The talk of the nation turned to spiritual things. In one month after his first sermon, 34,000 people were saved. Mr. George T.D. Davis and the New York newspaper reported on the revival. He wrote, it emptied saloons, dance halls, theaters, and filled churches night after night with praying multitudes. Police officers in Wales were idle. There were very few trials. Debts were paid. The character of entire communities were transformed in a day. The Methodist recorder called it a moral revolution. It was such a revival that it was continually on the front page of the newspaper. It's all anybody wanted to talk about. Wow. Can you imagine picking up the New York Times every day and on the front page was not the nonsense of politics and all the other garbage we see on there, but it was the revival going on in the country. Can you imagine? This blew me away. People were saved simply reading the accounts of the revival in the newspaper. They were reading the newspaper and got saved. Revival went crazy. A Christian publication wrote this. Truly God has visited his people in Wales. It's not a question of one town being awakened. But the entire principality being on fire. Profanity is silenced. Taverns deserted. Theaters closed. Betting books burned. Football teams disbanded. Police courts idle. Family feuds are pacified. Old outstanding debts are paid. Watch this. The family altar is re-erected again. We've been preaching about this. Bible study is the passion. This is the finger of God. Today, we put people's names of those who died in the obituary. During the Wales revival, they had a section, a saved section. They would put the people's names that got saved. And every day, you'd read the paper of new people that had gotten saved the previous day. Wow. Thousands of young people uh, went through the streets singing praise songs to God. It became the thing that you did. As a matter of fact, children were so moved by this revival that they held their own meetings in the backyard, praying, preaching, and singing, and wanting other children to the Lord. They mimicked the men of God. In Wales, in that day, in that revival, the heroes were not rock stars, movie stars, and sports stars. They were men and women of God. My question is, is where is our fire today? People were so taken up by God that prayer brigades formed. And they would meet and pray into the night, sometimes all night for the people of their city. There were testimonies and accounts. Men would wake up in the middle of the night, leave their homes, walk down to a prayer meeting they didn't know was going on. They didn't even know why they were there and they would get saved. God would literally wake them up, lead them to where they were praying, and save their souls. I have a question for you. If God did it then, why can't he do it now? 
defendants were saved. One account said a bailiff heard a loud cry from the courtroom. Chris, you'll love this one. They went in to restore order. They thought something was going on, only to find the judge, attorneys, defendants, witnesses, all on their knees crying out to God in the courtroom. We need a fresh fire in our hearts again. I'll tell you, I, I, the more I studied this and the more I read it, the more I said, God, I want this. Are you on fire enough to pray for people all night long? Church attendance was at 90% of the population. Church membership was at 75% of the population, and in some areas, 95%. Wow. The Daily Union newspaper of Wales wrote this. The pastors of our churches and the students are surcharged with divine power. The Holy Spirit seems to have possessed the pulpits completely. The churches have awakened and put on the beautiful garment of glory. People have repented and thousands are baptized in the gift of the Holy Spirit. However, if Wales is really going to experience revival, it's going to have to begin in the mines. 90% of the mines and their families were converted by the power of God. Listen to what the London newspaper wrote about this revival in Wales. The 1904 Welsh revival so radically altered the valley of Wales that the animals employed by the miners to bring up coal from the mines had to be retrained. Prior to the revival, they responded to kicking, yelling, and cursing. But so many miners had gotten saved and cleaned up their language, they confused the animals they didn't know how to work. Converted attorneys refused to represent breweries no matter how much they put in front of them cash-wise. Demand for good books went up, filth went out. The London Times wrote, it is something from another world. I'm talking about newspaper articles. Does this kind of fresh fire burn in your soul? Does this kind of fire, do you, do you feel this in your heart saying, man, I want this? See, point number two is this. Revival is something from another world world. It all started with one person's hunger to see revival and his fire for God. God didn't pick sophisticated pastors, but a layman who was willing to pray and fast. I have a question. Are you willing to pray and fast regularly? Are you willing to come to church early on a Sunday and pray that God touch people and bring people in and save their souls? Are you willing to give things for the world in some cases so that the fire of God can flow fresh in your heart? Evan Roberts had a vision to see 100,000 people saved and that it would spread around the world. He was ridiculed by the religious folks that said, oh, you're just, you, you've got youthful enthusiasm. But within five months, he saw 100,000 Welshmen added to the church, much more before it was over. But it only took five months. 100,000 people added to the church in five months. Over five years later, 80% of these added were still actively involved in their church. Revival began to spread. In England, in one day, they added one million people to their church rolls. One day. Whew. At least as many more were saved by the power of God. Revival went into Western and Northern Europe. and Norway and Sweden, there weren't enough pastors to do communion. They had to get laymen to give out communion because there were so many people that came to the church. It went into Africa and India where accounts said it looked like the book of Acts in operation. Healings and miracles, signs and wonders and visions and dreams. Revival continued to spread around the world into the Orient, into, into China, Korea. Church membership 
increased fourfold. Ironically, Korea is the only country that was moved with revival back then that has kept up that momentum since 1904. At the turn of the century, Korea, which is very much a largely a Christian nation now, at the turn of the century in the early 1900s, Korea only had 1% of the population saved, Christians. Now the estimates are 50% and up. In fact, several of the largest churches in the world are in Seoul, Korea, and they, have, they continue revival as a direct result of what God has done. As a matter of fact, Dr. Cho's church in Seoul, Korea, his auditorium is filled many, many times on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. He tells them to pray, and they pray, and they paint, they pray the paint off the walls until they ring a bell, and they say, okay, you have to leave now because there's people that need your spot. They have to force them out of the church. They don't want to leave. He's got a mountain called Prayer Mountain where when you get up, I'm told by accounts of people that have been there that the ground is literally vibrating and it, the prayer bouncing off those mountains of thousands of people every day is like a roar and an earthquake. It just, it just roars. You, you, you will see them. They will pray on Sunday mornings and they won't stop. They have a, they have a chapel area that seats 10,000 people in the basement that all they do is cry out to God. 24-7 through all the services. They have thousands of people that just pray, pray, pray. Man, we need a fresh fire in our souls. In South Korea, it's only one hour from North Korea. North Korea is in dire poverty. Unemployment rate in North Korea is over 80%. South Korea is almost 0%. Don't tell me that Christ don't make a difference. Dr. Cho's church has the third largest newspaper in Korea, and he sends missionaries all over the world. At any moment, he and the country know that North Korea can pulverize the city of Seoul, which is now the largest city in the world at over 10 million. But the Christians believe prayer is the only thing keeping them out. Because of North Korea, prayer keeps in a constant state of revival and the fire of God burning in their hearts. My question is, is what's it going to take for us to pray? What will our North Korea be? What's it going to take for the church to rise up and say, man, I'm in? These people pray and they fast for days on end. I heard one account of a lady locked herself in the church for 10 days and wouldn't do nothing but drink water from the water fountain until she saw the glory of God move. I want to tell you something. It's so much to ask to come a few minutes early to prayer and pray that the presence of God fill this place. By now, the year is 1905, and the revival had spread around the world. Thousands of ministers were gathering together to figure out how to accommodate the revival. Not if it reached America, but when it reached America. The anticipation and expectation became a reality. From coast to coast, the fear of God fell right here in America, and people began to pray. In 1905, Atlantic City had... 60,000 people, only 50 would admit they had not been converted to Jesus Christ. Now it's the gambling mecca of the east, the Las Vegas of the east coast. In the southern part of America, the average size of a church was relatively small. But the first Baptist church of Paducah, Kentucky was typical was a typical church during this revival. They took in 1,000 converted members in two months. The pastor died of exhaustion. Please help me. I don't want to die. Amen. The revival swept to the north. Don't tell me revival can't happen in America again. In Burlington, Iowa, every store and factory closed to allow employees to attend the prayer meeting at noon. And this was typical of the cities of its time. 
in Denver, Colorado. Mayor, the mayor proclaimed a day of prayer. At 10 a.m., every church in the city was filled. By 11.30, every store was closed. 12,000 people downtown filled theaters and halls. Every school was closed. The Colorado legislator closed as people got on their knees for prayer. In Portland, Oregon, 240 department stores signed an agreement to close from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. to give everyone the opportunity to go to the prayer meeting. Wow. Can you imagine 240 stores in Cincinnati saying we're closing for three hours because we want everybody the opportunity to go to prayer meeting? That happened in our country 100 years ago. For two years, the First Baptist Church in Los Angeles prayed for a revival to hit their city. Finally, the Holy Spirit and His fire hit. Thousands of young people were going through the streets of Los Angeles, praising and worshiping God and leading people, other people to Christ. Can you imagine that? I'll turn on the news and see that happen in Los Angeles today. Outdoor meetings numbered in Los Angeles at this time. Over 200,000 people showing up for outdoor meetings to get saved. Where's our fire? There are marches of all kind today. There's gay and lesbian marches. There's strike marches. I say we have some prayer marches. Amen? What a difference revival makes. Listen, it is estimated that 20 million people were saved as a result of this revival. And God chose a relative nobody who just was willing to pray and fast and seek God to spark a worldwide revival. 20 million People saved from hellfire. They recorded that it literally saved our country. Our church should be noted for prayer and fire. Do you want your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren to marry God-fearing Christians who will love them, who will treat them right, who will live for the Lord, who will be a good spouse and a good person? Of course we want that. Then we need to pray and fast. If you own a company, do you want someone who works for you that won't steal, that will have a good attitude and work us under the Lord? Then we need to pray. Do you want your loved ones to be healed? We need to pray. Then prayer and fasting that leads to revival is what we need. We need a fresh fire. We need something to shake us again to say, wait a minute, this can happen again. Our prayers can invite the presence of God and push out the darkness. I'm not just preaching something that sounds good. I believe this. We need revival in America again. It starts with us. Look, our schools are a great barometer of how far we have walked from God. I found an article that said the top problems in school in 1940. You're going to laugh at this. You ready? Let me, let me just list the top seven. Top problems in schools in 1940. And then they did one for today. And I just want you to see the barometer, the difference. 1940, top seven problems. Talking, chewing gum, making noise, running in the hall, getting out of line in the cafeteria, wearing improper clothes, not putting paper in the wastebasket. Top problems today. Drug abuse. Alcohol abuse. Teenage pregnancy, suicide, rape, robbery, assault, and we even got to where they go in and they shoot everybody. Now, if we can't just look at where the problems were in 1940 versus now and realize that we are far from God and the church better wake up the Christians and start praying again, we're missing the boat. 
The schools are clearly showing us where the problems are. 30 years ago, there were no vulgar things on TV, no profanity, no pornography on, on regular television. You Today, you're subject to all that stuff, homosexuality and any of that, in commercials on regular stations. 1940s, children played games like jacks, marbles, and checkers. Today, they have been replaced with video games that melt down the good guy, exalt the demonic. They're full of murder, violence, blood, gore, and even rape. The American youth are drawn to hardcore pornography. They listen to music that exalts pain, insanity, sex, incest, suicide, rape, death, demon worship. They drink liquor and do drugs as if they're eating candy. America is full of mediocrity. No one wants to step up and make a difference. Most leaders are bought off by lobbyist groups and making, and they're not making decisions based on the Word of God. I want to tell you something. I don't know. I, I want us to get God back in our country again. We need God in America again. I'm praying that God put the Word of God in prayer back in our public schools, back in our government, back in our courtrooms, back in our way of life, everywhere we go. I'm praying the name of Jesus is lifted up. I'm praying there be such a fire inside of us that people are drawn to the presence of God and they're drawn to repent and give their lives to Him. That God would sweep through our nation and revive us again. How far we have fallen. Oswald Smith said, Revival is an operation of the Holy Spirit, and prayer is the power that secures that operation. We've seen Satan at his worst. How about we let God see the, the world see God at his best? I'm telling you, we have seen Satan wreck our nation. Why not let everyone, this nation see God put it back together again? Spurgeon said, Revival is always in response to the amount of prayer that we pray. History tells us there has never been a revival that has not been preceded by much prayer. In the upper room before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they were together for 10 days of prayer. William Seymour at the Azusa Street in L.A. put a basket over his head and prayed till revival hit Los Angeles in 1906 as a result of the Wales Revival. The great Pensacola revival that of our generation that happened where hundreds of thousands of people around the world were saved in Pensacola, Florida. It was seven years of prayer. If this is true, then why are we not seeing revival? The answer can only be a lack of prayer. A lack of prayer because of lack of fire. And a lack of fire because we lack prayer. Where is our fire? Where is our desire to pray and believe the Bible that says He will do it again? Pastor, you're, you're, you're getting a little, I don't know, too much up in my business. Man, good. I pray God make us uncomfortable. I pray God drive us to our knees again. Look, I, I still believe there's miracles. We've seen them in here. I still believe God can raise the dead. I still believe God can heal every and any kind of disease. I still believe God can restore every marriage in this area. I still believe God can bless every person. I still believe God can save the worst of the worst of the worst. I want to tell you something. I believe if we'll pray, we'll see God do amazing things. If it's true that it's in direct reflection to the amount of prayer that we pray, then why don't we try God and let's pray and see what God will do? Where's our fire? Will you be, will you be one that God can use to make a difference?
Oh, you may not be the Evan Roberts that sparks a 20 million revival, but you may be the one person that sparks a revival in somebody. And then somebody else. And then somebody else. And then somebody else. And somebody else. And somebody else. And somebody else's. And groups. And people. I want to tell you, I believe we can see an amazing revival again. I'd like for you to close your eyes and bow your heads if you don't mind. If you're under the sound of my voice. I want you just to be honest. In the sound of my voice. Pastor, I, I need fire. Man, I go to church and I, I pray a few prayers, but man, I, I got to get back to where I know God has called me to pray and fast and intercede. Whew. Pastor, I remember. I remember a time where I was on fire and it seems to have waned. It's not that I'm not saved or I'm not serving Christ, but not nearly to the intensity and the fire I once was. I want God to replenish me with fresh fire. I'm not going to ask you to stand or move, but I will ask you to raise your hand. I want to know who I'm praying with. That's me, Pastor. I want that. And there's just hands everywhere. Oh, hallelujah. One more group of people I'm going to ask for. If you're in here and you say, man, fire, I don't even know that I'm right with Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I feel like I've made a mess of things. I've made mistakes. I've done stupid stuff. Hey, we all have. I, I want to be right with Jesus today. I want to invite him into my heart. I want my heart to burn within me, but I need to be right with him first. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Or ask you to move. I just want to pray with you. Is there anybody? Is there anybody? I see those hands back there. I see those hands. One of, my, one of our prayer teams, go back and pray with them, please. Back in the back. Raise your hand up. You say, I want to, I want to be right with Jesus. Raise it up. You just raised it up a minute ago. They want to know who to pray with. Or anybody else? I want to give my life to Jesus. They're about to sing a song that asks for God to light a fire in us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to do like we've been doing. I, I, I invite you to put your knees on the floor if you're physically able, maybe your elbows on the chair, and just turn your chair into an altar area. If you want to get down on your face, find a spot somewhere in an open area, you can do that. For those of you that want to worship as they sing, that's fine. But I, I want you just to, I want you to ponder on the message. I want you to ponder on what could be. If they had asked Evan Roberts before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, before revival started, he'd probably laughed. He'd probably said, I don't know, I'm just praying. But all oh, 20 million people later, I'm sure Evan Roberts said, I can't believe what God did. My prayer is we stand around as a church and we say, wow, I can't believe what God did to the city of Cincinnati and to Ohio and to America. Look what God has done. It'll be God. I want you to pray. I just want you to begin to pray now. They're going to lead us. 
And as you pray, you can worship. You can worship and pray. I've, I've purposely left a lot of prayer time this morning. You feel free to stand and worship if you like. You feel free to get in a prayer posture on your face, however you want. But come on, church, pray.